Hi everyone, today's episode is about fear. But before we get into that, let me thank you for all your great feedback after last week. The 140 character rule seems to have inspired many to think about their communication habits and to bring more consciousness to what you want and how you deliver it. Being brief is not the solution to all our communication problems, but it's a great asset to have in your backpack. That said, keep practicing. Fear. I do have a list of things that I want to share in this podcast series. I'm always waiting for a spark during the week which subject to pursue. This week it came from the feedback of a podcast listener. The email read, Dirk, can you please make an episode about fear? Should employees employees be afraid of somebody or something and how does fear impact culture and performance? Well, here was my spark. Why is fear in my list in the first place? In my teenage and early adult years, I was very interested in pursuing a career like my father's. He was a psychotherapist and worked with drug addicts. There was a thing he used to say during conversations with patients that I found particularly powerful. A direct translation into English would be something like, where the fear is, is the way. The fear of dealing with unresolved feelings or memories helps us avoid those darker zones which we'd rather not go. There's too much pain, at least, we fear there is. We all have our demons, at least I've never met a person that has none. True progress in a psychological sense is when we are allowing those fears and are dealing with hiding with what's hiding behind them. In leadership trainings, we expose participants to some aspects of their darker sides because those areas can be or can become massive blind spots. A leader might avoid confrontations with a certain character type and be even more demanding towards other character types. Exercising this kind of bias is not because we are bad people and it's no place for judgment. These are learned patterns from our childhood which need a lot of consciousness to deal with. Fear hit a nerve with me, as you can tell. It's a valuable pointer that can trigger a lot of personal development. Stay with me when I talk about the science of fear and the role of fear in organizations. Welcome to Leadership Bits. Without fear, there'd be no human race in the first place. Our ancestors were successful because they fearfully crawled out of their cave in the morning, checking if there was something that wanted to eat them. No fear, and they could have ended up as a nice breakfast for a sable-toothed tiger. Fear is preserving. And fear of better overcoming of the same does make a difference. Imagine a world without fear. If we feared nothing, there'd be nothing to conquer we'd all be having breakfast together on the summit of Mount Everest. Let's start with a little bit of science. Fear as a concept can only be understood when we apply multiple angles, like neurofunctional. The central nucleus of the amygdala, which is part of our reptile brain, sitting on top of our spinal cord, is widely accepted as the origin of our automatic response to physical danger, most notably the famous fight or flight response. A car is approaching fast while you're on the street. The amygdala decides in milliseconds if you want to fight the car or if you better rush to the sidewalk. Fear also changes our body chemistry, which really is the driver for most of our behavior. We like to think we can control everything with our minds, and there's a lot we can do. But when our bodies are pumped with adrenaline, it is pretty hard to sit still. 
and it is impossible for most to get a restful sleep when there is too much caffeine running through our veins and so on. We are slaves to the body chemistry. Fear of something has a number of physical reactions which always manifest faster than we can process intellectually. When you have fear of something, we might experience like chest pain, chills, dry mouth, nausea, rapid heartbeat, shortness of breath, sweating and trembling. It's different for all of us, but that's about the catalog of reactions the amygdala and our body chemistry have to offer. I can see myself experience all those reactions at, one, in one, at once if I had to do a bungee jump. Then we can look at fear from a psychological and behavioral aspect. We all respond to threats differently because, well, we all are different. Sigmund Freud wrote some of the first explanations of fear and its cousin anxiety. Psychoanalysis is deep and in a way fallen out of time. What's interesting for us to remember here is that fear of something can be rooted in our upbringing, representing an intrapsychic conflict from a trauma we can't logically remember, but that has left an imprint on us. Talking about demons. And then fear is one of those seven universal emotions experienced by everyone around the world, they say. Anger, disgust, surprise, happiness, sadness and contempt. By the way, all of those, including fear, come with a unique facial expression, which are pretty much the same wherever we go. So fear is also being looked at by behavioral psychologists, sociologists and anthropologists. It's a pretty busy field. Here are two more recent aspects about fear you might have heard of. One of the most popular ways to deal with various fears is exposure. Suffering from arachnophobia? Have spiders walk over your hands. Suffering from fear of heights? Take the stairs up to the Eiffel Tower, not the elevator. By the way, this is a joke for us at home. I used to be fearless in the mountains, but developed the fear of heights in recent years, wherever this came from. Last time we were in Paris, I found the waiting time for the elevators too long and took the stairs with my two older girls. I barely made it to the first level just to take the elevator down as fast as I could. That exposure exercise apparently did not work. Done right though, exposure works for many. And then there's the fear that the internet brought to us. Our 24-7 online world fosters the fear of missing out or FOMO. This is the social anxiety stemming from the belief that others might be having fun while I'm not. In consequence, we continually stay connected with what others are doing. Facebook's business model is based on FOMO. And there are more industries that feed from our fear, like insurance companies or news organizations. So I have to admit, diving into the technicalities and the science is fun for me. But I fear I'm not giving you something useful, which is my aim with this podcast. So let's go back to the original question from my listener. It was if employees should be afraid of somebody or something and how that fear impact cultures and performance. For profit corporations only continue to exist if they are better than the competition and keep making profit. Four out of 10 Fortune 500 companies disappear within a decade from the list on average. Even more worrying, only 60, 60 out of the 500 companies that made the original list in 55 still exist. If you are a company leader, you will have to live with the fear that tomorrow someone else will take your company's place. And that fear is being delegated into the organization. Performance management systems are designed to keep the fear alive. 
What's my rating going to be this year? And even more important, what about my bonus? The fear of losing keeps us going. Only a small amount of employees in any given organization are acting fearless. Some of those fearless are fearless by nature. Others might have nothing to lose because their employability is super high. They can basically work anywhere. Or others might be working because they want to, not because they have to, financially spoken. You should fear corporations. To survive, they want to crush the competition, literally. Nike's famous goal was to crush Adidas. If you have a destructive competition going on, you better fear the other side. And on the inside, corporations are no democracies. If you don't fit in, you have to go. If the strategy changes, they want you to follow the new orders, if you like it or not. And how is this being enforced? Not only, but also with fear. Just selling the new strategy with nice lights, videos and goodies gets you this far, but it remains optional for people to get on board. The fear of the consequences if they don't let, if, if they don't, lets them ultimately join. If you're not convinced that fear is a natural part of corporations, here's an experiment. <clears throat> Imagine people would be acting completely fearless in your company. What would this look like? It sounds great at first, but how would you get all those fearless and, and, and in consequence free spirits fall in line and follow a common idea? When it comes to organizations, here's the mother of all examples. The oldest institution in the world is asking its members to adhere to a certain code, while threatening non-compliant members and unbelievers with punishment in both this life and the next. The original message from Jesus Christ, and he kept repeating it, was, do not be afraid. Bertrand Russell's work on religion rings in my ears, which I read years ago. He describes religious beliefs as symptom of fear. Because our lives are precarious and vulnerable, he said, we seek the protection of a powerful deity or God to comfort ourselves with an illusion of safety. You'll have to imagine Christianity as a kind of flower power movement in its first couple of hundred years until smart people realized that fear is an amazing driver for member growth. Fear is good for business. Going back to the original question again. I personally think that fear in an organization is normal. It's part of the game. As I stated above, fearlessness leads to freedom and freedom leads to people pursuing their own agendas. Great organizations keep a good balance between stick and carrot and develop their leaders as guardians of that balance. I am thankful I was able to witness some of the most amazing people at work. But I've seen the dark side as well. I've seen the CEO of a company coming in in the morning and firing the reception guy only to rehire him in the afternoon, just for fun. I've seen a CEO question the leader's manhood in front of the whole executive team, just to humiliate him. I've seen a CEO confronting a member of his team about a performance issue, and when she started to cry, he demanded her to turn on the camera so that everyone could see her tears. All of this is disgusting and deeply dysfunctional, yet, all of those leaders are still working as leaders. Their actions had no consequences. And the only explanation I found was that those examples represent the other side of the spectrum. Ying and Yang, Helen, Heaven, Day and Night, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. We humans work best in attention created by duality. We love to talk about the heroic journey of becoming a leader and how leaders and culture make a difference. 
But leading by fear is a common concept out there, if we like it or not. And the balance is fragile. A bad year with financial loss might tip the scale on those leaders prone to managing by fear will more easily cross the border into that kind of behaviors. But that doesn't mean we are powerless when the balance shifts. So what do we do when our workplace, workplace went from heaven to hell? The first impulse is maybe to leave. It sounds only healthy, but not everyone can do that. And I can tell you from own experience, the grass is never greener on the other side. If you have to stay, your options are of course limited. Not everyone can change the status quo and bring balance back to the force. If you can't get away, do everything to get a tougher, tougher skin, like understand your body chemistry and manage it accordingly. Like taking a run after a work to get that adrenaline out of your body. Identify those situations that trigger your fear responses. Maybe you go better prepared next time. Understand how others manage their fear. And remember, it's only temporary, hopefully. Unless fear has always been a major component of your company, the balance will come back. It might be a few years though. And always remember, it's a job. It's not your life. This list is non-exhaustive. It's just a starting point. I've had many of those conversations in the last 10 years. The fears are manifold and the consequences are different for every individual. I personally have done breathing techniques, autogenic training. I've tried anticipating the next move from that person who caused my fear. I went into myself to understand why I have that specific reaction and others don't, and so on. I recognize my fears and I try to own them. When, decided to, when I decided to talk about fear this week, I knew this would trigger tons of memories, good and bad ones. And I actually feared the last couple of days that I would never be able to put enough value into a 10-minute podcast. Let me know if I did or if I didn't. I will come back to talking about fear because I want to pick up my dad's powerful phrase and what's good, what good it did for me and for others. I'm closing today with one of my favorite lines from a song. It's from Peter Gabriel and the song is called Darkness. I have my fears, but my fears do not have me. This was Leadership Bits. Stay safe wherever you are.